Hey guys, welcome to Hey guys, welcome to Throwback Thursdays. I've gone through my library and started picking out some of the most popular podcasts over the last 12, 14 years or whatever how long it's been, I've forgotten now. Uh, that I've been doing this and um, we've re-edited them and uh, put them out there for you guys to uh, to check out. Uh, a lot of good information there and uh, so forgive me, some of them might be a little bit poor quality, you know, depending on when it was recorded. But uh, Throwback Thursday is brought to you by HowlForWildlife.org. Powerful Wildlife was designed to give the hunter and angler a fast-acting tool to combat anti-hunting and fishing bills and initiatives. Howl has given us, sportsmen and women, not only the ability to act fast, but to amplify our voices and to be heard on issues concerning wildlife management. Howl supports science-based wildlife management and will continue to fight any initiative that goes against sound management. So become a member at howlforwildlife.org. Thank you. Let's jump into this episode. Uh, Today we're doing a little special podcast. I had Derek Taylor show up and uh, bring me a little present. And we're going to be talking with uh, Mark Smith, the muley slayer, uh, about uh, about muley hunting. So we're going to do a little something a little different today. How you doing, Mark? Doing real good. Real good, John. How you doing? Good, 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 good. Um, so, you know, we're, we're going into, uh, Arizona's late season hunts right now. And, um, you know, guys are excited about chasing mule deer around and chasing them around in the rut. So I kind of wanted to have you on here before, uh, these kick off where they actually start on Friday, uh, which will probably be before this episode airs. But, um, anyway. Um, let's just jump into it. Um, sure. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do, and give us a little bit of background. Well, I've been—I'm uh, a mule deer fanatic, just like you guys, and been doing it for a long time. I started mule deer hunting uh, when I—I moved out west from Texas back in '94. I moved to El Paso, Texas, from East Texas, and found out what mule deer were when I was like 24 years old. Started hunting public land there in New Mexico, and. Uh, by just job transfers. I lived in New Mexico for five years, right in the Mecca of mule deer country there in the four corners. So I got to hunt all four, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, the Navajo Res. Never could hunt the Hickorya, but <laughs> I, uh, I hunted a lot. You know, I was able to hunt five separate entities, five, five places almost every year. So I got a lot of experience hunting mule deer from 1995 until I moved out of New Mexico in 2000 to Denver and lived in Colorado. And that's where I really started turning on the jets, hunting the high country bucks that uh, that I hunted. Um, I'm back in Texas now. Back in 2013, I took another job transfer, career promotion. So uh, luckily, I lived out west 20 years and gathered up information on how to, where to. And uh, now it seems like I'm just going back and re- when I draw tags, I'm revisiting new areas hunting places that i'd never hunted before you know places i had hunted before so i haven't seen a lot of new country really since i moved back to texas other than the wasatch uh there in utah i've hunted it exclusively for the last three years uh because it was easy to draw easy to get to real it's a really easy hunt i mean it's tough on you but it's uh fighting the people and stuff so i've hunted that one a lot over the last three or four years and uh but uh, the hunting industry, I've been in the hunting industry since 98. I started off as a shop shooter for a little shop there in New Mexico, then finally got on pro staff with Hoyt, was on staff with Hoyt for almost 20 years, and I'm kind of a kind of a free agent right now because of some things. Uh, you know, you, I, I, I'd never changed both sponsors, and in 2015 I did, and uh Nothing wrong with the people, but I regret that a little bit. I wish I hadn't have done that. So right now I'm without a boat sponsor, but I've been playing around with Weatherby's a lot more in the last three or four years. So yeah, got a, got a good relationship going with the fine folks at Weatherby. So I'm really pumped about that. And uh, so an industry insider, been with a lot of arrow brands, broadhead brand sites, all the stuff, you know, all that. Shot the tournaments for a long time and realized um, that's a 
that's really should be your day job if you if you think you're going to win against guys like Levi Morgan and Jeff Hopkins and Randy Elmer. You you better make it your day job. And I I wasn't able to make it my day job because I needed health insurance and all that. So yeah. uh, I uh, I got out of the professional archery world pretty you know I only did it for a little while, but uh, it's one of those things people ask me all the time. If I want to go to a shoot now, you're going to shoot pro. It's like pro is one of those things you can't ever go backwards. You know, once you once you've ever signed a card, say you're a pro. Well, if you actually go win any pin class or anything, well, now you're cherry picking, even if you suck, you know, you get that pro stigma. So, you know, that was cool. I did it, met some great guys, learned a lot of great stuff, had some great partners. So that's the background on the archery stuff. And now uh, I'm just kind of a freelance writer. And of course, I do my seminars every year. Uh, Ray Crow with the Mule Deer Foundation is a great friend of mine. So this will be like my seventh or eighth year straight of going and doing how-to seminars at the nice. Western Hunting Expo. I really love that show and love those folks. So that's a yeah, little about I'll me. be up there this year to Hunting Expo. Oh, good, good, man. I was only there for a year. Oh, a year. I was only there for a day last year. I kind of popped in and popped out. I just went and, yeah. you know, kiss well, some guy, and shake I, some babies. Yeah, a guy living in Texas can go get uh, – he can go get a lot of a lot of mileage and get his batteries recharged at that show, you know, every year. So, yeah. <laughs> not being able to see mountains every day, I get to go, you know, live there for three or four days and talk to big mule deer hunters, and I get my fix. So, it's a cool. great it's, opportunity to put in for those tags too that you can only. Put yeah, I've seven straight years. I've never drawn one, but it, somebody's got to draw them, right? Yeah, either. I, and I know people that have drawn a few. Actually, my <laughs> one of my buddies drew uh, a really good elk tag two or three yeah. years ago with minimal tickets. So. At least it's yeah. a gives yeah. us a chance a lot better than our draws. My buddy got a sheep tag last year. Great. Oh wow, yeah. yeah. Awesome yeah. man. That's nuts. Awesome. I, I never win anything, but <laughs> Me either, man. I have to earn everything and I don't win yeah. anything. I won a few things, but uh funny funny thing about Oh yeah, you know what? That's true. I shouldn't say that. Last, yeah. this past um Mule Deer uh foundation banquet early in the year I, I won a uh a HR 17 rifle and a, and a BB gun that I put in for, but I, I bought like 300 tickets and I threw it on this, I threw it on the same two buckets. So, Oh, wow. I pretty but, much yeah. bought the damn rifle. I always so. shoot every time we go to any of the Mule Deer Foundation shows, I, my wife's with me, I put the tickets in her name, then we went. It's yes, home. absolutely. Got to put it in the wife's name. At the yeah. Elk Foundation banquet here, she was the only, with 10 of us at the table, she was the only one that won and I think she won. Went two guns, all kinds of stuff. She won four or five times. That's but, awesome. But not me. Yeah. I did win uh, in 2015, Pope and Young, uh, of all things, Pope and Young was giving away a Hoyt carbon bow, right? And I renewed my membership, bought a three-year membership uh, from Jim Willems, the president there of, of, uh, of Pope and Young. I ran, he's an old friend of mine from New Mexico, and I ran into him, and he said, sign up. So I re-signed up. My, he goes, you win a free Hoyt bow, but you don't need it. I was still on Hoyt Pro Staff then, you know. And sure enough, man, they they called me. You're not gonna believe this. I think uh, South South Cox sent me a text, dude. You just want a brand new Hoyt bow because he was at that auction or wherever they had the oh, wherever they were cool. having the, the Pope and Young banquet. That's where it was. And so everybody's like, "Hey, you want a Hoyt bow? What are you gonna do with it?" But there was a a really unfortunate guy in Colorado. It just went through some very bad circumstances and sold everything he had. So I did the right thing. I. Just oh, sent it all to him, awesome. gave him a bow, but I did win a bow, so I, I can't there say I'll ever win anything. Something. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, so I got a few questions that sure. I compiled the questions from guys who ask me online through my blog, through the website. So I have a little section on uh, on the interviews with a hunting masters. Uh, website that's called ask the pros so people submit questions all the time and i i always get variations of the same question um so a lot of guys want to know because they're not as fortunate enough to have the time to go and scout for a few days you know throughout the you know before the season and so on and so forth that if they don't have time to scout how do you like to hunt if you don't have time to scout it? You know, like I know I go on destination destination hunts all the time, so I don't get to go scout. Uh, sure. You know, if I'm going to Colorado or you know Oregon or New Mexico or whatever. Yeah. So. Well, I'll tell you um, the way I 
the the way I approach that has has greatly evolved over the years from how I started doing it. And and I'll tell you a little bit about both so people can find maybe find their own way in, in how I do things. But when I first started looking into areas to hunt mule deer, um, there was no social media. There was there wasn't even monster muleys. There wasn't any of that stuff. Right. And uh, so what I when I first started going and realizing that I like to shoot outsized deer, I want to shoot bigger deer, or at least have an opportunity to shoot Pope and Young or Boone and Crockett class deer, I would just go to the record books. And I would say, get the Pope and Young book or the Boone and Crockett book. Mm-hmm. And I would go to states and I would look for trends in counties, right? So I would find a trend. And so let's just say in Colorado, La Plata County. Uh, and there was a lot of entries in Pope and Young. So then back, but, but let's just be on back then when I was doing that, I just go down to King Supers and buy a tag. And so it was 150 bucks and you go buy a deer tag and you could go hunt. But right. I, I would, that's how I started doing it. And then as, as hunting, as the opportunity, I don't know if hunting's more popular than it's ever been, but the opportunity is certainly shrinking by more and more people getting involved and, and less and less mule deer, uh, less and less opportunity, cutting tags, hard winters, whatever. Um, I, I started having to go find other resources when I couldn't get tagged, like a tag that I would hunt in Colorado on a third choice. I didn't even get it as a first choice a couple of years ago. And it's just that opportunity is really shrinking. So, um, the research piece was that, and then it was, uh, well, and another example is in your state, Arizona, 1998 was the last year. New Mexico, you could buy over-the-counter mule deer tags in northern New Mexico for the archery hunts, like mm-hmm. units 2, 2A, 2B. That's where I lived. And uh, me and my best friend there, Jeremy Duggar, we were devastated because we always – we'd get the tag in September, never shoot a deer, then we'd just go hunt in January when you could hunt that 15 days. Well, that first year it went to a draw, 98 or 99, right in there, we didn't draw the tag. And, and we're absolutely devastated. Uh, I was his shop shooter and he owned the shop. That was our claim to fame was hunting January bucks and 2B, right? That's what we right. did. That's who we were. Well, um, I wasn't one to sit around and be a victim of my circumstances. So I, I went and grabbed some regs for Arizona. And uh, I made a phone. We didn't even know how to approach that really, you know, uh, it was an over-the-counter opportunity, but we knew no one that hunted Arizona at all in the late season. So I got on the phone and called a nice lady there in Phoenix at the Game and Fish. She talked to me for a little while, and she put me in touch with the local game warden uh, that lived there in Unit 10. That was where I was interested in. And um, he, I got on the phone, you know, on the telephone, you know, and I called yeah. this guy. And we sat there, and t- I talked to the game warden for an hour. Super cool old guy, and he hunted deer, and he bow hunted deer in the unit told me everywhere I needed to go. And he said, when you come, when you come through town, you'll see my antlers hanging on the fence. You probably know who I'm talking about. Everybody Tim, knows this guy. He Pender. said, when you see the ant, yeah, Tim Pender. He said, when you see my antlers hanging on the fence, stop in. I'll have pie and coffee made. Super cool dude. So me and Jeremy stopped in there and ate, uh, ate pie and drank coffee with the game warden and his wife. And he got maps and showed us everything. So old fashioned pick up the phone and call someone that for that area is I think that would still work today. And that's how I'll tell you though, I've been to Arizona about 10 times, December and January, and I have flung some arrows at some absolute giant deer and I've never cut a hair on a deer. I'm cursed, man. I'm, I'm snake yeah. bit on that late hunt. I don't know what it is. I want it. I want it really bad, but for some reason I kill the javelinas, but I can't hit the mule deer for some reason, man. I just, uh, I've, I've been snake bit. So that was a, that was a real eye opener on networking, right? This was like mm-hmm. in 1999. Now, fast forward uh, almost 10 years, and then it was Monster Muleys, Rock Slide, and uh, all the Eastman's forums. So, so what I want to do, like an area we talked about pre-interview, we were just talking about area in, in Arizona that I want to hunt. I was, I just had this interest. Sometimes it's not about the size of a deer I want to hunt. It's sometimes it's the country I want to hunt. Right. I want to have, I want to go to real classic old mule deer country and I want to go hunt it and, and just to see it in my lifetime. I'm a real history buff. So I said, man, this part of Arizona is, is old classic stuff. You hear the old timers talk about this area. I want to go see it. So I just pulled up Google Earth and I looked at the area and I picked out some landscapes, some parks some trailheads, 
And then I went to Google and I just Googled those trailheads and I brought up people talking about this area, hikers, right. not just hunters, but granolas too, right? So right. now I get to, and then, and then the granolas, man, they love to post pictures on Google Earth. So if I want to see what a ridge looks like, yeah, I just go click on it and I can scroll, scroll right in. And I know this is going to fall into some of the other stuff about uh, how do I choose an area? Well, no matter what time of year you're hunting any animal, you need to know the food source. But and so if you're going to hunt mule deer in the rut, you're hunting the does. Well, the, the does, they want to breed, but they still got to eat. They're still more concerned about eating than the bucks are. So what's the food source that time of year? So that being said, I'll, I know what mule deer like to eat. They'll, they'll eat rosehip. They'll eat uh, antelope bitter brush. That uh, They eat different kinds of browse. So I'll go to this specific area, and I'll just start Googling all of these word uh, scenarios, right? Rosehip on so-and-so ridge and whatever, mule deer, bow hunting, January. You know, I'll just put all these words in, and next thing you know, man, I just got a plethora of information coming through the internet of people that have asked the exact same questions I'm asking. Because the last thing you want to be do for me is be that guy that goes on monster muleys. I'm not looking for your honey hole. I would just like some help. <laughs> well, I see guys drawing tags on their third choice, right? In an area that I put my, like I have the history. I love this spot. I want to go hunt there. And then some guy just stumbled onto the tag and he wants all the information. It's like, golly, man, I've banked 10 years of busting my ass in there. And you just stumbled on the tag and you want all this information with well, a Christian, good Christian guy. I mean, I usually help out a little bit. I'll say, hey, man, on the down low on a private message, this is some areas you might want to look at. But it's very frustrating to not get something on your third choice or your first choice. And a guy gets on his third choice and his his only research is to ask all the blatant, blunt questions. You know, that's so a little etiquette for yeah. guys out there. Don't do that. Yeah. Do your own research. Find someone that's interested in talking to you and take your take your message offline. Go privately and go have a private conversation for respect of others and for that area. So absolutely. It's kind of it's kind of preachy, right? But but you know what I'm talking no, about. No, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I tell people all the time, I'm like, it's it's one thing you get this too, like you talk to Tim. Uh, if you if you're gonna call um a fishing game guy, or if you're going to ask somebody online who hunts that, don't ask them where to glass from, you know, don't, right. don't ask them which roads and whatnot. It, but you can ask those questions like, what are the deer eating this time of year? Um, you know, where can I find a lot of prickly pear or what, you know, just questions like that. What's the yeah. deer behavior? Uh, what can I expect? And you could get that information out of people and then you could take that stuff, apply it to the map and, come up yep. with your own that's right uh, be it truly be an outdoorsman understand food sources bedding areas right uh you know guys have been doing it long as you've been doing it and i've been doing it we can just look at any map and 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 part of it is knowing all the scientific pieces of it and but most of it is just from experience you can just look at a spot and there may not be a deer in it for two or three days but you can look at a spot and go man i just know that any minute the buck I'm looking for is going to pop up in that hole over there. And sure enough, it does. Just one thing I've learned is, is that sounds real cool. It looks good on paper, but uh, don't spend too much time. If you've only got three or four days, don't hunt a spot because you want to kill a deer there. I've done yeah. that before, too. You, you better go where you're finding at least some deer because you can spend a lot of time going, man, I just, I would love to kill a deer right here because maybe because of how close it is to the road or right. just because my, my gripping grin is going to look so awesome on that rock. <laughs> I want to kill him right here, which, you know, people do that too, but, but don't get so caught up in wanting to kill one here. Me and Jeremy on the Navajo res, we wanted to kill some deer in these black lava rocks. This was back in 2000. I got to tell this, this is, we wanted to kill this deer in these black lava rocks so bad because a long, long years ago, this buddy of our slim missed this giant toad, man, up on this, all this string of bucks up on this black lava rock. And Jeremy's like, man, he would tell me the story and I could just see it. And I would just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to see that in my lifetime. I want to see bucks standing on the lava rocks. We kept wanting to hunt the lava rocks. We'd drive by 15 bucks every time going in and we'd go stare at the lava rocks. And we wanted to hang tree stands by the lava rocks because that's where we wanted to kill bucks. <laughs> One day I looked at Jeremy, I said, why don't we hang a tree stand down there where the bucks are 
and quit coming to the freaking lava rocks. And he's like, yeah, and I shot a 27-inch buck that year over there in the pine trees where the bucks actually were. So don't nice. get hung up on where you want to kill one. Go where they actually are. So, yeah. Especially on the Navajo with low deer density. So <laughs> yeah, and this, this was 20 years ago when it was really, really good. And, you know, it's it has really fallen off. I don't know what happened. They even closed Unit 1, right? Like yeah, they, cl- they closed Unit 1. I had the I had the August tag in Unit 1 three years ago, and then they closed it. And then they got rid of the January archery hunt altogether. Yeah. And then it went to a draw, which I don't know how, you never know how reliable the draw is going to be there, you know, so. Right. No. I used to go wait, just, in line, go wait in line for 24 hours, 25 hours or whatever, and get whatever yeah. tags I wanted to get. It was great, but yeah, it's definitely, I had that unit one tag and I scouted probably, you know, four or five days before the hunt and hunted hard the whole time and saw two mature bucks. Also, yeah, we used to call it the, we'd call it back when you could hunt all three, you could hunt anywhere, right? You could just hunt all over. We always called unit one, the nursery, you go over the power line road. It was the nursery. It was spikes, does and fawns everywhere. Then cross the road into two and three. And that's where all the big bucks were. Incredible. The difference. Yeah. 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 A biggest buck I ever saw hit the dirt in my life ever was right there in unit three, uh, Jeremy Duggar in 2010, a buck we'd hunted in 08 and 09 with our bows. Jeremy finally, uh, he drew a rifle tag. He and uh, he shot a two. It was a clean four point that grossed two sixteen, netted two hundred four. Wow! Yeah, that's there, the biggest. There's definitely ever. some giant deer there, but it's a. Uh, yeah. You shouldn't drive past them in the pine trees to go hang out in the lava rocks. No, no, no that's what we were doing. <laughs> so anyway, uh, back on that's a good story to fall into that. But back on topic. So so it went from flipping through hardback books and calling game wardens to doing searches on the interweb <laughs> and and doing all that and going to all the forums which are still awesome by the way uh then it went to social media mm-hmm. and um god bless them people just and I, maybe i'm i'm guilty of it a little bit but uh people just talk too much and they like to take pictures of skyline and predators like me and you man i'll zoom right in on your kill picture and i will i will identify a peak and if you're like, yep, my third year in a row drawing this tag, my third booner, and I can see this prominent peak in the background, well, I'm going to see you there next year because I, I need to get a tag, and I'll come do that. <laughs> but I, I, I found out, you know, where David Long and and, and, and uh, Snyder and all those guys were hunting over there in, in the Maroon Bells. I mean, man, I didn't know where David Long was killing those big bucks until Eastman put plastered his cover with the freaking Pyramid Peak right there. It's like, oh, yeah, man, I see that every summer hiking with my family. I know where that's at. And then, yeah, I never even thought about hunting deer there. And, and he'll tell you, you know, it just by getting it published like that man it went now you can't that was a third choice tag just a few yeah. years ago now you can't hardly even get it on second choice it was it was actually my second choice this year mm-hmm. I, I didn't i didn't even draw a tag in colorado so uh that kind of stuff using social media um is a, is a great is a great deal and then just overall networking if you once you are established say you've been hunting a little while and, and you've got some honey holes or areas that you like to hunt and you're getting a little burn out on them. And, and let's say, you know, like I like to go to the Western Hunting Expo. Well, I'll talk to Utah guys. And, man, Utah guys are really cool about sharing information. And it's not – there's really not a big secret anything about the Wasatch. But some of the other areas in the state are, are a little bit of a secret. And uh, But I've learned that if you network with those guys a little bit and you give them a little bit of Colorado info or a little Arizona info, they'll give you some Utah info. And as long as everybody stays cool, keep it on the down low, that's been a great help for me. I, I Flat out, Facebook and Instagram have and going to the Western Hunting Expo – are a hundred percent, one hundred percent instrumental, or, or the reason why I killed three bucks in a row on the Wasatch Front there in seventeen, the West, the, the seventeen West there, because of just to the point where I, maybe I'm a likable guy, or people like me, or they're sharing the information or whatever. But I actually had friends in Salt Lake go hang trail cameras for me and said, oh, "Hey," wow. they, they said, "Hey, pull up." They said, go to Google Earth, find a spot you'd like to hunt. And I said, man, this I killed my buck last year, but I really wanted to look over here, and I never got over there. And this guy, super cool dude, and he's like, him and his buddy, like, hey, man, we, we run that thing all the time just for trail running purposes. Like, you know, it's my once a year put on a 50-pound pack and hike in there, and he runs it every day before work, right? So <laughs> he's like, he goes, hey, man, I'll – I'll go put you a lick in there and put, I said, no, don't do that. You know, don't, don't put a salt lick or anything, but just go find some prominent trails and throw a camera up and, uh, and, and then check it if you want. Sure enough, man, they come back with a drop time buck and a big old wide 30 inch buck and a wow. whole bunch of elk. And, uh, 
and when they send me the pictures, I'm thinking, well, I guess I'll be camping with them this year. But God bless them. They had their own areas. And, man, I had that had that thing to myself. To myself, for the Wasatch means there wasn't nobody sleeping in my tent with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but I had it to myself, kind of. And then, you know, my my uh, my experience with the Wasatch is I, I learned not to hunt the deer as much as the people. You know, learn yeah. figure out where deer are. And then look around, make sure you can get all the people gathered up that you make sure they're all accounted for. Because you're going to be 15 dudes glassing that same bunch of bucks and just put yourself in the best position that when one of them screw it up, the deer come right by you. And that's how <laughs> that's how I figured out how to kill deer on the Wasatch. Yeah, yeah I've hunted Wasatch and Nebo quite a bit. And that's that's always the thing is it's, it's easy to figure those deer out. Those deer are or I mean, you've hunted enough and most most people that have hunted it those deer are where they're supposed to be you can pick a spot on the map and that's where they are they're where they're supposed to be yeah yeah but you can never figure those people out and that no. like you said with the guys with utah what, I, what i've learned with everywhere is um most guys are willing to share information if you don't burn that bridge and that's the biggest problem and yeah. you know you know you've told guys stuff and said you know you, you have to keep this secret this is between us and then next year their buddies in there and they said oh you know yeah so and so so and so told me and that that's what i've learned is i'm I share information with people that I know I can share information with. I'm sure you guys do the same thing. And then there's yeah. there's other people you just you know like you, you learn. Can send them to a general area, an area yeah. that's you know yeah, they're going to be on some deer. But yeah, I, more than give anybody areas anymore. I actually just spend the time with them and teach them how what we're doing right now. I just teach yeah. them how to scout for themselves. And and I tell them it's not because I want to be selfish. It's just I know that. If you put the work in that I put in, you're going to appreciate it so much more yeah. if you just go find it on your own. But I'll at least get you started. I'll tell you a unit. I'll tell you a part of the unit. But far as just how to go hunt it, I mean, every every everybody's experience, everybody's different. You know, I'm, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to sit on a ridge and glass all day and never stalk something. At some point today, I'm going to have my bow or my gun in my hand chasing something. I just can't. I just don't. I just don't enjoy setting behind glass all day long. I never have, and mm-hmm. I try it. And and uh, the most I ever did is I drew a sheep tag in 2008. Man, that's all I did was just glass all the time. But if I'm in mule deer country, man, I'll have a plan usually by <laughs> at least by mid-morning or midday. You know, I'll have to see something I want to go after, just check something out. But I can't just sit in glass for days on end, day after day after day. Man, I'll, I'll go cross-eyed, you know. Yeah. Anyway, no, I know the feeling. I get itchy too, man. <laughs> yeah. I have a hard yeah. time not going after stuff. That's why I have <laughs> a lot of medium-sized animals because yeah. I don't, oh, I don't hold the, out for shit. I'm the, I'm the king of mediocrity, buddy. <laughs> I'm, I'm notoriously got an itchy trigger finger and I got to go after stuff. Yeah, I was, I, you know, I didn't really know who you were. I mean, not to be disrespectful, but I oh, knew my. who you were, but not not to the point that I do now. So when I started stalking your page a little bit, Googling, I started realizing that I like this guy because this guy kills a lot of shit. This guy just kills <laughs> stuff. And I like that because I like to kill, you know, I like to, I like to shoot mature animals. That's, I'm not a score guy. You know, I'll talk yeah, score a little bit to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. But uh, I like to shoot middle-aged pot-bellied animals that have been breeding does, right? Or breeding cows or whatever. That's what I like to shoot. But sometimes, man, you just got to put something on the ground. And when I look through your stuff, you got a lot of really nice animals, but you also have some that are like, yeah, man, he was ready to put something on the ground right there. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, I got, I got more more of those than, than not, unfortunately. <laughs> it's good. Good for you, man. I, I like it. I have a lot of respect for you. That's great. You hunt, you hunt for good reasons. I like that. Yeah. So back to the questions. Uh, Let's see that the scout that the scouting from afar. So networking, yeah. and that's how I and that's there's no secret. That's just it. Learning, yeah, but you know, you'd be you'd be surprised. People don't really they don't know what to what cyber scouting is. Their idea of cyber scouting is that guy you described that shows up on Facebook and says, "Hey, I got this tag. Can somebody help me out?" You know. Yeah. Um, and I think you kind of laid it out there and, and and gave it. You know gave them a foundation or an outline to start following, you know, Hey, ask the right questions. Think of the right questions. I mean, you got, I mean, deer behavior, you know, feed, you know, water questions, stuff like that. Just that's, and then build from there. Yeah. Um, where you started getting into this, like you're picking a spot, like where is your starting point? Like when you're looking at a map, what do you, what do you look for? And then, like, how do you pick your spot from that? Like, where do you start out on the map? Well, let's say oh, in Colorado, let's just say, for example, or uh, we'll say 
Colorado or Utah, maybe Nevada and the Rubies, something like that, where, where I hunt backcountry hunts. Um, I don't, I don't scientifically have an answer for you and I've never been able to get a straight answer. Maybe it's just because of moss grows on the north side of trees type deal. I don't know. But anytime I have found ranges that run north and south and you've got east facing bowls mm-hmm. and you've got water, if you've got east facing bowls up above timberline and you got water there, you almost always have deer there. You would almost always find deer there. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, South sides of mountain ranges, south sides of peaks and stuff are always barren. You know, they're the hottest. They don't have the, quite the feed source uh, as, in, as the east facing bulls do. So what I have found on and it's and I've gone back to make sure I'm right in, in what I'm saying here. But I've looked at all the places on Google Earth that I've ever killed a deer in the high country. When I say high country, it's, up, you know, above mm-hmm. above Alpine. It's always in little bowls, coolies. Uh, willow patches. If it's Colorado, it's always in the big, deep willow patches, uh, right at timberline, right where the right where the big trees turn into little trees, and you got the willow patches. Right. But always seems like on a east east bowl. Like so, if this was north, and this is east over here, it'd be in a bowl that's facing this direction. And on the west side of the mountains, just from my experiences, you know, I've seen deer there. They'll pass through it and stuff. But just the way the sun that time of year, so we're talking August, September, the sun's right. rising, you have the most daylight. Um, they get on those east sides, and when they want to bed, they just kind of move over to the north sides, and the sun sets on the south side of the mountain over to the west, and, and they have they have quicker shade, you know. I guess it's right. better shade, but the food source, the cover, the shade, everywhere I've ever hunted, Utah, New Mexico, in the high country, uh, Colorado, Utah, Nevada, all of my bucks have been in east, north and east-facing bowls, not very far from timber. So I look for that. I look for a water source with good little bowls and stuff. Um, that being said, just this year doing some research in Nevada or in uh, Utah, look, I'm straight away from the Wasatch and I was looking at some other mountain ranges and people that I networked with said, you, you know, people that I ask questions about mountain ranges, what do you know? What do you, what, what do you hunt here? Is there anything you can share? Every one of them, when they said, man, I always find bucks right here. We're in those same east facing bowls on ridges. So, um, I look for that and I see you nodding your head. So I'm taking it. You yep. have some experience like that too, right? Absolutely. It, it's just, I guess it's just the, it's just the sunlight, mm-hmm. you know, in December, if a doe was standing out on the lava rocks, it wouldn't matter because that's where the bucks are going to be in December and January. It don't matter. But that, that, that early season while the bucks are still bachelored up and looking for food sources and most people watching this i think are going to be most of them are going to be bow hunters early season bow hunters a lot of guys right. i know that, that follow me love the velvet bow hunting part of, of what i do so that that right wow. there is a big uh when i'm looking that's just what i'm looking for i'm looking for stuff right at right from subalpine to, to right at tree line to to you know up to twelve thousand feet if it's colorado and i'm looking right. for make sure there's water in there and if you got if it's in color what i've always told people in colorado go get above timberline where there's water on the continental divide you're going to find deer period i don't from north to south just find a unit on the continental divide and you're going to find deer lots of bucks big bucks easy it's just that simple because i've hunted all the way from the bottom to as far north as i could draw tags along the continental divide huh. it never it never mattered it's just what do you like better? You know, what what scenery do you like better? Some trailheads are farther, uh, some of the country steeper, but man, I have always found deer there. Good bucks, especially when I, cause every, when I lived in Colorado, uh, I lived in Colorado Springs there for the last, from 2001, no, 2003 till 2013, I guess almost 10 years. Uh, man, I had an old international scout, me and wife and dog, man, we'd, Every weekend we'd pile in and go look at new country during the, you know, the summertime, springtime. And man, I'd always go scout those great units that, you know, the Gunnison and all that before it got, uh, you know, for the big die off in 08, man, I'd go and find just giant bucks and just, man, want that tag bad. But then I was always too chicken to ever put in and build points because I was, I'd always put my odds against the animals, not against the draw. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was always either getting something I could draw with one point, you know, a lot of people want I'd never hunted the Gunnison only one time, 54 I hunted. Uh, but you know, Randy Ulmer is not name dropping, but he's been a friend of mine for a long time and he was my hero first, but then we became friends and, and you know, he's got a lot of experience over there. And, uh, you know, he's always a scratch at his head at the shows. Why aren't you hunting over there every third year or whatever? But I can't, 
I didn't want to waste a first choice because I could always hunt really, really good first choice units yeah. without banking any points. Right. So anyway, yeah, so that's what I think I I, and that you, what you need to do with that. Um, I pick two or three states that I building points for those quote unquote trophy units. Mm-hmm. And then everywhere else I, I kind of put in for opportunity. Yeah. You know, that's, that's yeah. kind of been my gig. So that's I've been able strategy. to draw some pretty good tags, you know, over the year, but I'm making sure that I'm hunting every year, you know? Yeah. This is the first year since 1994. I will not, 2017, I will not have hunted mule deer. And it's pretty painful. But wow. Now, but I put a lot of energy into my hunting here in Texas this year because I'm on a, I'm on a family lease property over in East Texas, and I I always just hunted weekends or whatever. I just called that domestic home hunting, mm-hmm. but I actually put more energy and effort into it than I ever have before. Hang, I don't like to hunt feeders and all that. I like to hunt right. where the acorns are dropping, hunt tree stands. You, I used cameras this year, and I killed my nicest whitetail in Texas. I've killed bigger ones in Kansas, but I I put the energy and the effort into it this year. Um, and killed a nice buck. It still wasn't a mule deer, but it was it was good. But I did go for two weeks in Colorado and hunted over the counter unit and the typical, you know, for elk. And I uh, I did the whole first two or three days past little bulls and cows and came home and ate the tag. But I had a 15 day adventure. It was awesome. But uh, first time, first time since '94 that 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 whole year will pass. I mean, realistically, I guess I could come to Arizona for the last 15 days, but. I got too much going on, so I won't right. hunt mule deer this year. I guess it's it's not okay, but it's okay, you know, yeah. next year. I have a big year plan. I, I have I did bank a point in Colorado for a tag I can draw. I banked a point in Utah, and I banked two points in Nevada. So uh, I can – I don't know that I'm going to do Nevada. I think I'm just going to get another point. But I know for a fact I'm going to draw Colorado, and I'm pretty sure I'll draw the Utah tag I want. So I'll have a big 2018 line. But. Sweet. Yeah. Good deal. Right, so, no, uh, one of the questions I get all the time is I only get seven to 14 days a year to hunt. That's total. That's including my scouting and so on and so forth. You know, what would you suggest to somebody that's only got a limited time and, you know, wants to get the most out of it, basically? Well, I know it's kind of a general question, but no, that's a good question, and uh, I get that one a lot too. And uh, you know, again, as I've evolved as a as a person, as a hunter, and as a as a as a man, I, things change. What are important? Um, Ten years ago, if you'd have told me I went to Colorado for 15 days and didn't kill an elk, I'd be devastated. I think there's something really, really wrong. There's something mm-hmm. bad. I just wouldn't be able to sleep at night or whatever. And I, when I came off the mountain after 16 days, I was really tired, but really refreshed. My batteries were charged up, and I, it was it was truly the first time in my life I can say it was totally secondary. I didn't even care. Um, I take I take mule deer I take eating mule deer tags a lot more serious than I do elk tags, you know, just because I'm a mule deer guy. But um, I would say, number one, always the young guys are going to go blah 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 whatever, and the old guys are going to say, yeah, I know where he's coming from. But number one, make sure you're having fun the whole time. Make hunting is you're supposed to have fun. Yeah. And we can get so worked up and so wound up spending money we don't have on things we don't need to go do something we want so bad we'd sell our soul to the devil for it. And, and then by the end, if you end up empty handed, then there's no fun. So spend what you can, spend the time that you can, make sure you're having fun. All that said, um, decide what decide what your goal is. If you don't have goals, if you don't have a plan and you don't have goals, you're, you're really going to fall short. So set a goal of what, so if you're a first time mule deer hunter, you may say, I just want to see one. Or you may say, I at least want to shoot a three-point deer. You know, it's got to have three points on one side. I'm going to set that standard for myself. Okay. And so now you have something in mind. And going out west for a guy like me and you and finding a three-point deer, man, that's you can remember a time when you would have done anything to see a three-point deer. But now, you know, mm-hmm. you can probably go find one every day if you want to. And that just comes from that experience. So I'd say set a realistic goal of what you're after. And then uh, I would say – stick to that don't 
don't don't lower your standards too early. But if coming home empty-handed or coming home with what you wanted, you know that, that's a person. That's truly a personal thing. I, I would stick to that. But another thing is don't get married to an area just because you like the way it looks, right? The black mm-hmm. lava rocks, and a lot of guys do that. They'll go out and they like a spot. They feel good about it. And they're in, you know, you know, when you're in, when you're in whitetail woods, sign, sign means a lot different to a whitetail guy. Let's, so let's say somebody in Alabama is listening to this thing. Rubs tell you where bucks have been. Scrapes will tell you where bucks are going to be period. Whitetails. That's it. Rubs are where the bucks have already been. Scrapes, bucks coming back there. That means absolutely nothing in the mule deer world. Just because you found some poop here today don't mean nothing. That means a mule deer stood here and pooped, but he might be three miles over there and poop tomorrow. Where yeah. a whitetail lives in a one square mile, mule deer live in a much larger range. Now, they'll have different spots they like. Elk, even bigger. Elk, you know, I've seen elk one day and had guys shoot them three miles up the mountain, you know, same bull next day, next morning. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say whitetail tactics your woodsmanship count out west if you're from back east but but your tactics are going to have to change a little bit because uh you can you can hang a trail camera on a spring all summer out west you know say you say a guy did fly out say he did want to go scouting he flew out to colorado hiked up a mountain found a bunch of deer tracks around the spring hung a trail camera on it the one good thing about mule deer is if the deer were in there drinking in June, there's a good chance they'll be there opening day, and there's a good chance they'll be there until about the 10th of September. But if as soon as the food source starts dying, you'll watch that timber line from, from the top of the mountain down to the tree line. Every day gets a little more red and a little more gold. And, you know, even in August, that food store starts dying. And by the time that velvet comes off and those bucks are hard antlered by the 10th or 15th of September, man, they go into the timber and they're a completely different animal than they were out in their velvet all summer. So if you if you if you are going to scout, if you did have a chance to scout, and you found bucks in June, try to kill them first day of season, any western state early as you can get them killed. Um, but as they as the velvet comes off and the season changes, don't don't plan your trip. Don't scout in the summer, then plan your trip toward the end of September. Like, hey, I'm going to try to mix in. I get this one a lot. I want to come hunt deer and elk. Yeah. Well, man, you hunt those two. Even though the season's the same time, man, hunt them. Hunt elk. Hunt elk like mule deer the first 10 days and hunt mule deer like elk, you know, the last 10 days because everything's in the timber. They're at the same level, you know, down there in the timber bugle and stuff. So I don't think that has anything to do with the price of tea in China for the, the question you asked about. No, but it's all good information. Yeah. Five I, to I seven didn't stop days. you going off on the tangent because you, 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 <laughs> yeah. you're spitting some runs. knowledge. So <laughs> For me, it just all runs together. You know, it, all, <laughs> it all just runs together. But And I know there's that one guy sitting out there going, yeah, 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 I'm in Alabama. I want to know. Come on with it, man. Uh, yeah. the, the secret The secret is – Make sure you you want to have fun. Come out and and look at it as um, if I look back over my hunting career, uh, I treat it I, I've treated it like I treat life. Like it's not a sprint to the finish line, man. I don't want to. I was born. I want to get to 100 years and die really fast. I want to. I want to enjoy it. I want to learn as I go and realize there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be peaks and valleys. If you if you if you want to come hunt out west, I would really suggest that. Uh, people, when you're building your plan to come hunt out west, don't don't just look at one trip. Look, mm-hmm. try, if you really want to have the true experience, and 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 you want to, I don't know anybody that's ever come once. You know what I mean? Everybody comes yeah. and they want to keep coming back. So find you an area that you like that has deer in it that you can draw pretty easily. And I would say plan on coming back to that because there's going to be years that have ups and downs in it. You know, the, the year, the area that I killed my biggest bow buck ever is an area I spent almost all my time in. I mean, if you, if you look over the 20 years I hunted mule deer, at least 10 of those years I hunted within just a couple of hundred yards every year, I'd hunt the same spots over and over and over. Cause I could draw it and I learned to love it. Right. Well, I took that same thing to my elk hunt this year. What I realized was I spent 15 days trying to relive an old memory. Like uh, I want, in 2004, I killed a nice six point bull in this bowl. And when I killed that bull, I was doing something brand new. In 2012, I killed that bull, a bull there, another big bull I have mounted here. Well, I, I was reliving where I'd killed my bull in 2004. What I found in 2012, 17 was I went and tried to relive a bunch of memories in these same areas 
And next thing you know, I blinked and 15 days went by and I never went and saw anything new. And almost every elk I ever killed, a lot of mule deer, yeah, I went to the same areas, but I was doing something a little different, something a little new every day. And, and that's what got those deer killed was, was fate. You know, I'm going to do something a little different today. The deer is going to do something a little different today. And we meet in the middle and he gets killed. That, that's what gets a lot of nice animals killed. Guys come out west, be mobile. If you're, if you're coming for seven to nine days and you've picked a spot on your map, and you, you, you've thrown a dart at the map, and you've called your game warden, and you've talked to John Stallone, you talked to Mark Smith, and you know where you want to go and how you want to do it, and you got all your bows sided in and all that stuff, go there and try that. Give it a day or two. But, man, if, you've, if you're into day three and you're not seeing any animals, move. Go somewhere else. Yeah. Don't be afraid to hunt just because you had it in your mind. You know, I spent all this money on this pack and this lightweight stuff, a lot of guys will drive right through all the game to get to the highest peak where there's no game, you know, and you're doing your research from a long ways off. So maybe you got a little wrong. Maybe you missed it a little bit on this unit. Don't be afraid to pitch that $400 tent right next to the road if you need to, because if that's where the deer are, that's where you got to kill them, not in the black lob of rocks, right? right. You got to be, you got to stay moving and you got to stay mobile. But if you get in a high country basin and you glass up deer immediately, just start just start ambling around in there start trying stay above the deer keep the wind in your face and you know let them get bedded and start stalking them and trying it you're probably going to have some luck but if but but seriously don't spend too much time in gameless area because you're going to just be on a vacation then and, and you wasted yeah. your time no, i think a lot of guys get caught up um you know investing so much in a spot like i kind of <laughs> Dwayne Adams put it in perspective for me. This was going back about 15 years ago. And before I hunted with him, I would go, you know, get up on high point, see as much country as I can see or whatever. And I would stay there all day until I found the deer. Yeah. And I started hunting with him and we would go and he'd be like, all right, let's go check this place out. We'd go check this place out. We'd glass, glass, glass. And they'll, no deer in the first 45 minutes. Okay, let's go. Next place. And I was like, yeah. that was like baffling to me. And, yeah, yeah. And yeah. when I started doing that with my with my friends and my cousins and stuff, everybody's like, what, what are you doing? Why, why are we leaving? I'm like, well, the deer aren't here. They're not here. You know, I'm not going to make them grow. Yeah, I guess it could be a buck bedded down. It's, you know, laying up and it'll eventually get up. But once I started doing that kind of like moving fast and kind of running gun, so to speak, um, my success rate went up a lot more. I started yeah. seeing a lot more game and yeah. So what a lot of mistake that I see a lot of people make too over and over is they, like you said, they hunt a place that in the past. So say we're in an area like unit 10 or some of our areas down South, you might've had an elk tag or a mule deer tag and you hunted this area and this is where they all were. But with the way our monsoon is and the way that our rainstorm is, there's some spots that I don't care if there were a hundred, there were a hundred elk in there and, 2012 there's no elk there so they're hunting old sign or old and, and deer's the same way and, you know down in southern arizona it, it, there's spots that are like that like maybe this spot got two inches of rain yeah. in august and two miles away got zero and the year before it was just the opposite so you know food sources are like I said before they're where they're supposed to be so that's right yeah. and, and a lot of the scouting like we were talking about somebody has seven days to hunt with our maps that we have now on google earth you learn the roads, learn the areas before you get there. So you're not yeah. spending the first three days of the hunt trying to figure out where you're going to go. You know, our, our the technology in our in Google Earth and yeah, I mean all that stuff. On X, to what was when we were, you know, like, we were younger. It's just like going <laughs> yeah. in an area. And, you got a piece of paper. Yeah, it's this big. You try to drive with the map. Like it used to be. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a yeah. road on my map, but it's not even a road. It hasn't right. been for 20 years. You know, so. And yeah, you know, talk to people. It's like you said. I mean, you're spot on with with everything, man. It's awesome information. Cool. Yeah. Well, so you're done for the year, then. You got no more other hunts coming up, or you just? Oh, I get about every other weekend. I get itchy and go back over there and shoot some hogs. So I might. Uh, I keep giving them away. And I got the last two. I killed two big ones last weekend. I'm getting processed. So a lot of guys that work for me are getting summer sausage for Christmas, right? There you go. <laughs> so, uh. But uh, yeah, I'll probably go. I'll go. Uh, you know, I killed a bobcat last year that I'm having mounted, and a really big tom. And mm -hmm. uh, the uh, I have not hunted ducks since I was probably about 
25 years old. I, I don't have a talent like ducks. I only hunt things I eat. Right? right. So I don't, I have, I don't like duck. I just don't like to eat it. And so I quit shooting them. <laughs> uh, cause you can't give that many ducks away. Right. People right. don't want to clean them. But, I, but anyway, uh, I killed this bobcat down on the bottoms there in, in East Texas in a slough and, and he was slipping along there trying, and that's what they eat, you know, wood ducks. So before the season gets away from me, I need to go down and shoot me a wood duck to put with my bobcat mount. So I might go do that before the end that's of the cool. year, but killing a wood duck and some hogs is about all I got left. Uh, and then I'll ramp up and get my presentations together for Salt Lake. And then, uh, I'll come there and buddy, I'll be charged up, ready to rock and roll for, I'd like to have a, uh, a follow-up maybe next year because 18, I think it's going to be a big year. I think oh, I'm yeah, absolutely. I think I'm going to have some good – I think I'm going to have a good year in 18. I just got a really – I'm a feeling guy. Like I get feelings about things, and, and uh, I stumbled up on a good unit in Colorado a couple years ago, bought it as a – somebody turned it in, mm-hmm. and um, they turned in two of them. And me and Jeremy nice. Duggar went down there and found, uh, we, we both had our computers simultaneously ready to go. We, you know, when they went on sale that morning, we both hit send at the exact same time. We both, we got the tag. It was awesome. It was meant awesome. to be. Well, that joker drew it. He, cause he had a point and he drew it this year and went shot another nice buck. Uh, but it takes a point to guarantee you the draw. Uh, and this is a rifle hunt. So I, yeah. I had that point. So, and, and Jeremy's the kind of buddy that he'll just come with me because he likes to just sit and watch big mule deer get knocked off their feet with weatherbees, you know. So, he, uh, we're going to go down there, and um, I know I know I got that. And then my buddies, um, and you need to have them on your show someday, uh, is Dustin and Jason Whitwer and Corey Beckendorf, the team backcountry guys. Okay, yeah. They're, those are those are some of my very best friends, too. And uh, I'm going to go Jason Whitwer. I'm sure you know who he is because of those big bucks he's been. I mean, the guy's only like 24 years old, and he's he's – his last three mule deer bigger than anyone I've ever killed, but he's just, a, he's just a student of it. You know, he, he's just, he, he fell into a good deal and he works hard, but those are awesome, genuine, good dudes. And they, you know, they have that backcountry logistics, you know, they, uh, they rent out the llamas. Llama guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he killed a, Jason's buck was pretty cool. This year <laughs> what is that? Well, those like off of a, this is, what, what was it? Even? These are sheds off the. I found these sheds last year. These are replicas of it up on the strip. This is that the drifter buck. He was killed last year actually with the raffle tag, but he had a big old flyer. But um, yeah, those are the sheds that I picked up off of them last year. <laughs> Crazy, Dang, it's like two, dude. Two seventy-eight. <laughs> it's right there. And I kind of gave you a brief. I kind of gave you a brief of this guy right here. Yeah, Dirk was part of taking. He guided the guy on this. So my client drew this tag. It's my neighbor. Um, in Arizona, this is his first mule deer that he's ever killed. He drew the strip with five points. Um, works for the water department in Pine. Just a, yeah, my fingers don't even go around. It grosses. Oh it it grosses green like two ninety seven and a quarter, and it's. I mean, it's two ninety seven. It's gonna net in the two eighties. People like to shoot up that size. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah on the not, video he walks not... up, and I'm, you know, I'm he. He doesn't know mule deer, and I'm like, you know, we watched this deer for four years, and we're just never gonna kill him. It's one of those bucks that just. You don't get daytime pictures of. You just you don't see him. And yeah. I found him two days before the hunt. So we're going into an area to try to uh, – I knew he was going to move with these does. It's kind of like in that middle section. So we're looking at the does, and he's off the other side of the road. And, you know, he, he goes around and he shoots. And we walk up on it, and I'm I'm speechless. You know, I'm, I'm not throwing out 290. I'm saying maybe he's 270, maybe he's – and I knew he was sure. – and then I scored his trash. He had 95 inches of trash. And I, I knew he had a 190 frame. He's got a 201-inch three-point frame. It's just – like 23 and a half inch G2s. And yeah, so he walks nuts. up to him and he's like, uh, man, I would have been happy with just one kicker. It happens. Five points though. On the, five on the strip. First, first meal deer he's ever killed. Like um, it's just, I had 14 and I didn't draw the archery tag. That was my buck. I was going to try to kill with my bow. Cause I just archery hunt. I don't, I don't really rifle hunt at all anymore, but that's why I yeah. love Utah, that mountain hunt. I've been I've been following you, you know, through, through like the workout part and getting ready to and that. It's the same way. That hunt is, uh, it's not a, for me, it's not, it's not physically challenging, but it's, it's a, when you look down and you're like, oh, there's a buck I want to go. He's, he's 3,000 feet below me and I'm probably going to screw the stock up and then I got to come back up the hill. And, but for me, that's yeah. Like, yeah. I usually go maybe four or five days before the hunt by myself scouting, you know, and you're just, it's just a different yeah. It's a completely different. I mean, I know that's what you appreciate about it too, but that, that yeah, it's just you and well, and opening day, it's you and a hundred other people. But up until that point, it's just you and the deer most of the time. And you know, yeah, that and sixteen, yeah, twenty. I stay away from the Wasatch. I, yeah, 
I, I hunt <laughs> just a little south of there. I've been hunting yeah. in the Manti. Bucks oh, yeah. aren't as big. Yeah, well, that's but good. Everybody though. road hunts over there, so yeah. Like yeah. You can, if you get you can get away from people pretty easy over there. Yeah, I was saying, I feel like I got a little bit of advantage when you're not everybody. I shouldn't say there's some really good hunters that hunt that. That same. buck I killed two years ago. I feel like if, the most serious guys are in the Wasatch. I killed that buck uh, two years ago in four, five, six Chalk Creek, the one north of there a little bit. Yeah. And that that one, that one is. Uh, to just be a four by three man, that's one of the most meaningful deer I ever killed, you know. Because I was, I did the bait and hook on that. The guy watches this, he knows I'm, I'm gonna kind of sell him out here a little bit. <laughs> but I got on the, I got baited and hooked, you know, a little bit, bait and switch. Hey man, we should try this unit. Okay, the tags come out. Well, I drew it. Ah oh, man, I got my second choice. What? You didn't get 17 W on a. <laughs> you yeah. didn't get 17 A on a second choice, homie. Come yeah. on, man. <laughs> so anyway, I ran into him one year. And then, then he says, "Hey, let's go hunt four, five, six, okay?" And then I draw four, five, six, and he goes back seventeen A. That's okay because I went over there, but spent, but they said, you know, there's less people, might have a better chance. And some guys that know the unit told me, you know, yeah, there's some big bucks in there, but they hunt it with guns. You know, the age class, it's nothing like what you were used to in seventeen A. So I, uh, I went over there, and it, it was just a weird. It was one of those weird times in my life where I had this whole just this experience, you know. But on day fifteen, I killed a buck, a mature deer, and it was probably the most meaningful buck I ever killed. And he's, I don't know. Everybody saw the story. I posted it and did all that. But man, that deer actually meant a lot to me because I'd never spent that much time. I, I mean, I drew my bow. You know, sometimes there's a miss in there, or you mm -hmm. drew and let down. Fifteen days. On the fifteenth day, I stalked in on bedded bucks. I drew my bow and shot it one time in a fifteen-day period and killed that buck. And that's just awesome. You know, you just yeah. you just don't get that experience very often, and it was it was cool. So, but anyway, I, I don't know what we're talking about, but that that that's a little north of the other unit. But uh, I always found big whoppers in, in the unit right there, seventeen A. I mean, I giants. But like you said, man, it's if I've ever felt like I needed I needed to wear orange on a bow hunt that was definitely oh, the one. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's cool, man. Crazy. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you taking the time. Um I definitely want to have you on here probably sometime in the spring, maybe a little after the or you know what? Maybe I'll catch up with you at the expo. We'll do one yeah. there. Oh, yeah, I'll be in the booths, you know, I'll be at the Mountain Ops booth a lot. Uh, I'll be at the Weatherby booth quite a bit, and then I'll have my seminar and stuff. But, you know, the list you gave me, I want to tell this one last thing because I, I thought the stuff through, you know, the, the list you sent me, the things we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah. And that, that last question that what what might have changed me, you know? Or what, oh, yeah. What, what kind of could – why don't you read that question so people know what we're talking about? Yeah, or, so uh, I was going to have you share a story, you know, and uh, – a hunt that sticks out in your mind that maybe changed the way you hunt now or, you know, um, made you look at hunting differently or, you know, something like I had an aha moment, you yeah. know, something about deer or elk or whatever. Right, right. Okay. Well, that, that's the one I thought about a lot because uh, there, there's one that stands out that I wanted to share. And there's kind of, it's, it's multifaceted. There's several pieces to this thing. Is uh, In 2008 was a very, I had a lot of tags that year. You know, there's it's weird how some years, man, you end up with one tag in your pocket. And then one year you're trying to decide which tag you're going to send back. You know, it's just really, it's just, it's just, just, that's just the world we live in for Western hunting, you know? Well, uh, in 2008, I had a bookless deer tag. I had a unit 12 sheep tag in Colorado. I had drawn Colorado deer tag. I drawn. I, I had like eight tags in my pocket for the month of September. It was just one of those weird years. And um, hindsight is if I could go back, people may think I'm crazy, but that I got kind of talked into applying for that sheep tag. Mm -hmm. I gave, I hunted 22 days and never even drew my bow. Uh, it was as painful to eat a sheep tag, oh, but wow. I shot a management deer, what you call a management deer, a three-year-old forked in the back three point on the book cliffs because I felt like I had to get back to sheep hunting. So knowing what I know now, I would have sent the sheep tag back and kept the book cliffs deer tag and gave it everything. Right. And, and done it because that wasn't even the sheep tag I really, really wanted. I just had a friend say, Hey, you got eight points. You should just put in, I killed one there. Well, just because you kill one there, that's not the experience I wanted to have. It wasn't where I wanted to kill one really. Right. I wanted to kill one somewhere else, but I, I drew the tag. But anyway, 
had all these tags in my pocket and I'm blowing through the season and I'm knocking a few things down. I killed a really nice antelope, pub, uh, a DIY over the counter antelope in Colorado that year, a 78 incher. I uh, shot um, that buck in the book cliffs. I killed a little bull in Colorado, whatever. Gets down to the end of season. Last weekend of deer season in Colorado. And I still have my deer tag in my pocket. And so I had one of those I-70 units where I could just go drive down I-70 and glass up in the basins and find deer and just hike in and go. So I was like, I'll give it a shot. Last weekend, I want to try. Uh, by then, all the deer are hard antlered and really kind of out of the willows. You know, they're down in the timber a lot of the time by then. And uh, the first place I parked, I threw my glasses up and I glassed up just a big gray body. I couldn't tell. I just knew it had to be a buck from that far away. I didn't think it'd be a doe out feeding out in that willow patch. So I just threw on my pack and it took me about three hours. And I just ran up this canyon and hiked in and I had to gain about... 2,500 vertical feet, but it was steep shale stuff. And I got up in there and um, popped out in these willows and came down and looked. And there he stood, man. He was exactly where I'd glassed him up from the highway. And it was a, I didn't know how many points he had. It was a tall, hard antler buck, quartering away. And uh, I drew back. It was like 80 yards. It was a far shot. So I drew back, got my bubble right, put the pin right mid rib, hugging the hip, and shot. And I heard it smack, and the deer took off going down the hill. Well, it ended up hitting right square in the butt, all right, right in the right in the shoot, man. And I could see the arrow sticking out as bad. It was gruesome, you know. Shot with a rage, <laughs> and uh, it hit him. And, and I knew it was, and it was a lethal shot. I knew it was going to kill him. And I saw him go down the mountain. And there's a big creek in the bottom, and come back up the other side. And I seen him coming up the other side, and he. Kind of went in the timber and I said, well, he's going to lay down right there. So I gave it like 30, no, about 20 minutes. And I said, I was going to get my arrow. And so I walked down to where I shot him and I'm standing there holding the arrows, drenched end to end from blood. You know, I'm looking at it and I, and I, and I knew the deer was a, after I shot him and he got going, I could see what he was. He was a three by two, but he was like a three and a half year old buck. So he's big. He was, you know, mature looking, real hard antler, a uh, real tall, hard antler. Nice deer, man. Like, uh, Nothing you'd hang on the wall, but dang, man, a last day buck, and he was a big buck, had a nice body and a lot of meat. So I was really proud that I, you know, I was happy that I'd got my deer. I was totally stoked with what he was, and I knew it was a lethal shot, and I knew I had him. I'm standing there holding the arrow, and I, I heard or saw something. I looked, and man, a buck way bigger than any buck I've ever killed. Big, big <laughs> four point. Like, pushing Boone, I, you know, I'm pretty conservative with score a lot. I only like to talk about score, but it was, it was, I don't think there'd been any problem getting the Boone and Crockett book with this four point. He was massive and he stepped out and he was feeding. And it's like, you know, it's this, I don't know, these things happen. Like you pray for that moment, you know? And then of course it's going to happen after I just put my arrow in a deer. And I was only like 38 years old then. And uh, so I was mature enough to, you know, I'm not going to do anything foolish or stupid, but, but uh, still young enough that, you know, I'm going to think things through real quick. Like now it's like not no brainer what I'm going to do. But at 38, I, I thought about it for a second. Like I've got I know this deer's dead, but here's the buck of my dreams. And and man, I could I could probably hit him because in like 50 yards broadside. This thing is humongous. But I chose not to. I said, I'm not I'm just going to watch him. I just sat down. The buck fed, just fed away. The buck of my dreams just fed away. And I let him get out of sight. And I went down there and decided I was going to back off. So I went back and slept in my truck overnight. It was late in the afternoon when I shot the deer. Hiked back in the next morning. And he was right in the timber where yeah, I saw him go in, lay down and die. And I got him. And and so I've I've often wondered how many guys would have done that? How many How many people when no one's looking would have done what I did, which I'm not, I'm not a boy scout. I'm not looking for a pat on the back, but here's the disappointing part. I go to the ATA show that winter mm -hmm. and I tell that story. People I really look up to a lot of great people that I really think are like awesome. So let me down. Oh yeah. They, they said, man, I would have never blinked an eye. They, they would have put an arrow on that second deer and never they would have did a blinked an racket. eye <laughs> and, and you wouldn't, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe some of the people that said that to me and it really let me down. And, and, uh, and, you know, I, when I was young, young, young man, when I first started realizing what mule deer were, I, uh, 
I was like, man, I want to, I want to, I want to be the legitimate Kurt Darner of mule deer, right? I want to be the legitimate Kurt Darner. Well, that's now Randy Elmer. <laughs> well, I wanted to be the Kurt Darner of mule deer with a bow and arrow. Well, that's right. not me. That's Mr. Elmer, but, and other guys like him, but, but at no cost, there's no, there's, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, man, I'm cool. I'm, I'm, I'm super happy with the decision I made that day. And, and would it have furthered my career in bow hunting or whatever? It, it, what it, it might've, but it wasn't yeah. the right thing to do, you know? And so that was a very tough deal. It was a hard hunt and I was happy with the one I got. And I, and, and it was, it was tough to let that one walk away. But at the end of the day, I was much happier when I got, when I was able to tell that story to other people and every, almost without hesitation, everybody else would have shot that second deer. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, and I didn't. So, I, you know, I was like, maybe, maybe, I, you know, you, you know, right from wrong by the time you're probably yeah. 10 or 12 years old, you know what you should or should not do. Oh, it wasn't yeah, illegal. Sure. I mean, I don't, I don't as far as, I never touched that deer, didn't recover it, but man, the moral ethics of the whole thing is I, I hope everybody's following their own hope everybody sets a good code of ethics out there for themselves and they follow it and they stick to it. And they don't, they don't, uh, they don't take no shortcuts because that name you mentioned earlier, man, I remember when that guy was running around with a little DVD player 10 years ago, shooting carp, flying carp in the river going, what do I do with this DVD? Mm-hmm. Right. You know who I'm talking yeah. about. Oh, and yeah. now he was <laughs> one of the biggest names in hunting and man down the tubes, one bad decision. And that one time he was a hard working guy that really had something, you know, and then threw it away for, Nothing for nothing. I, I've known him personally for quite a long time, and his, his personality is who he is. But the Chris yeah. Rackett you see on TV and the Chris Rackett that would sit here one on one with you is yeah. a completely different person. That's what I and thought. He's not a bad person. Like he's really not. He's yeah. we, you know everybody's made some dumb mistakes and some and he's got a temper and he'll be the first one to tell you. I mean that for me that I mean him shooting the other deer that's bothersome too. But the video that, that way he's talking to his other camera guy and stuff like. That's more bothersome to me, almost. Yeah. Because, but he's not that guy. I mean, he, yeah. he was, and he's, and you know, now he's got stuff better in his life, and hopefully, he's going to change stuff around. But yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. But uh, yeah, it's uh, he's he's paying for it, and he's not, you know, it's the same thing. He was stuck in a situation to where, and it's you know, you get TV, and pride gets involved, and he's he's furthering, like you said, furthering his career, and um, yeah, pride is yeah. a big thing when you have your competitors have these farms oh. and they're killing, I mean, yep. you're not going to beat the Kiskis in, in what they shoot every year. You know, you're, no. you know, Lee and Tiffany are, have these farms where they're going to kill these giant bucks every year. That's just what they have. So it gets competitive, but yeah, yeah interesting just, to see. I haven't talked to him since then. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure he'll be at ATA and, but yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's, a, he's, a he's got a really, really, really bad rap right now for some. Yeah. It's unfortunate, man. I just tell everybody, do you, man, just go do you be you and, and and don't do not try to be anybody else because you're going to fail miserably. You got to go oh, do yeah, you, sure. and if and if and if doing you has content and draws people in, then you got something. Stick with what makes you who you are. You don't don't try to don't try to cut no corners or be anybody else because it ain't, it ain't going to do you a bit of good. No. Nope. But anyway, awesome conversation, guys. Yeah, thank you again for being on. And uh, like I said, we'll catch up with you either at the show or shortly thereafter. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be there, man. And just all right. Thanks, me down. All right, Appreciate guys. Later. Okay. Bye.